0: This is Saatchi Wellcast, a health and wellness podcast by Saatchi and Saatchi Wellness. I'm Paul Monis. A quick reminder, you can catch new episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Find us on Twitter as at SSWellcast, and you can email us thoughts or episode suggestions at sswellcast at saatchiwellness.com. I'm here with my colleague Dara Myers. We've been talking a lot recently about uh, autoimmune disease as a category of medicine and how there's a lot of sort of these unanswered questions. It's kind of a mysterious category, right? I think e- even though every category of medicine—cancer, heart disease, um, etc.—all have like their open scientific questions and lines of inquiry, um, autoimmunity is is sort of unique in that way. We just don't really know what the immune system's doing in
1: there. Let's let's talk yeah. about a little bit about what what is an autoimmune disorder.
0: The uh, fundamental principle, of course, is that. Um, the immune system, which typically makes its job protecting the body, destroying um, invaders. But somehow, and this is something that isn't fully understood, somehow the body turns on, the immune system turns on its own body. Uh, And depending on which organ or organs the immune system attacks, you get different diseases. There's over 100 autoimmune diseases. Uh, These are pretty various, everything from type 1 diabetes, diabetes, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis.
1: No, it's very interesting. I mean, why does the immune system attack the body, you know, the the host? Why why does one's immune system attack itself? Kind of Mm -hmm. is mysterious. And also, it's quite mysterious that Autoimmune diseases in general are on the rise. Like why is that happening? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different theories that I've read sort of very vague theories about why that would be. And mm-hmm. I'm it's very interesting.
0: What have you heard? I am curious. What what do you think is the
1: Well, the I mean answer? I've read all kinds of stuff that it's, you know, maybe it's environmental. It's also much higher in women, which is also sort of, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's stress related.
0: So I'm wondering like, is are there common themes? Is there a common thread? Um, can you think of autoimmune disease as as a single category? Um, like, would that be helpful? I don't really know.
1: So if you have one autoimmune disease, you may you very well may be more likely to get others. Like, for instance, I know that people with type one diabetes get a lot of thyroid disease. There's also vitiligo often goes with type one diabetes. So there are certainly um, there are like different ways in which they manifest, and they seem like they really can be related to each other in some situations, but then there's also situations where there's really not a lot of overlap. And it also seems like a, a lot of autoimmune de- diseases might play out like very uniquely in each person. Like mm-hmm. a, in MS, the way one person experiences it versus the way another person, it t- could be completely and totally different.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, interesting and open science out there. And I think I know an expert that we can reach out to for some insights. Oh, great.
2: My name is Christine Lee. I'm a rheumatologist in Beverly Hills, California. I also am an attending at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. So
3: I think the big question that's on everyone's mind is why do people develop autoimmune diseases in the first place? What's understood about that?
2: It's thought that it's a combination of genetic and environmental factors, as well as if you have a family history. What we think happens is something triggers a pre-existing autoimmune response in the body. And so instead of attacking the external environment, the immune system gets confused and attacks itself. It's really difficult to identify exposures because there are so many possible exposures and each disease is different.
3: So when, when you're working with a new patient and they ask you essentially, why me, why did this happen, what do you tell them?
2: So I tell them, this isn't a disease that you cause, it's not your fault. You have these antibodies in your body that were there to begin with, but something triggered the disease to activate where you now have symptoms. Moving on forward, understand this will be a chronic disease, but we have lots of treatments now and we will work with you and figure out what your body needs and which treatment would be best for you.
3: For most of these diseases they tend to be they tend to affect women much more than men. Why is that?
2: So the most common explanation is Physiologically, there's a hormonal difference between men and women. This is thought to be possibly a trigger. So we definitely see an improvement in rheumatoid arthritis when women get pregnant. On the other hand, there's not as clear of an improvement with lupus patients. So it really is disease dependent.
3: Something we've been reading about across these various conditions is the incidence seems to be going up. Why is that?
2: Whether the incidence is rising because there's more um, general awareness out there and there's just overall more diagnoses, that's hard to tell. From the patient's perspective, now with easy access to the Internet, people will research their own condition and they have the initiative to at least go and seek medical attention and see if there's something going on. <laughs> Let me
3: just ask you this. What do you think about, quote,
2: Dr. Google? <laughs> well, I think most physicians would agree with me that it can be the bane of our existence. Um, it's we all had that one patient who comes in with, you know, all this printed data from WebMD or Google, and you sort of have to explain your role in your interpretation of what's going on, and that's what I do, is I usually acknowledge everything that's going on. But I think what's challenging for patients is oftentimes they feel like they're the only ones out there with this problem. Um, What we commonly hear, especially for lupus patients, is, quote-unquote, people will say, but you don't look sick. And that's true. A lot of our patients are young women with full-time jobs, and they – don't look sick, they work out all the time, but they have all this underlying um, inflammation going on that people can't see, it's a very internal disease. And so I think that can be very isolating for a lot of patients because they don't have an overt rash or a giant swollen foot that necessarily people can see and understand, oh, they are a sick individual.
3: Any other practice pointers or recommendations you would make to peers?
2: Because this is a chronic condition, it's um, more so how you develop a long-lasting relationship with your patient. I think that's really important. I think it's also helpful to maybe attend a support group and just see what patients complain about or struggle with in the real-world setting when they're not sitting in your office and they may not necessarily tell you everything. Um, and also brush up on general knowledge in terms of not just medications, but lifestyle and dietary needs. Because nowadays, especially in L.A., patients are always asking, is there anything I can do that's non-medication related? Just to have a little bit of an understanding on things that are not just straight-up medication, I think can really help your patient connect with you. Uh,
3: I know we've covered so much. Thank you so much for uh, sharing some time at the end of the day. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon.
2: You too. Good to talk to you.
0: Dr. Christine Lee is a rheumatologist at Atune Health in Beverly Hills, California.
4: I'm Jessica, and I live in North Texas. So, my story begins when I was pretty young, and I always had unusual pain and disgust. Kind of these unexplained things going on in my body, and I remember from a young age and for a long time just being told that was growing pain, you know, she'll grow out of it. And by the time I hit middle school, I went through a series of testing and eventually landed on a fibromyalgia diagnosis, which is kind of a blanket statement. Going into adulthood, I continued to develop symptoms. The fatigue sometimes was crippling and I felt like every time I talked to a doctor about it, everything I was experiencing could be explained with a fibromyalgia diagnosis. So I heard that for a very long time, that, oh, you know, you have fibromyalgia, this is normal, until I – was pregnant, and it was my second pregnancy, and I found out that I was hypothyroid because of uh, the severity of my levels. It was apparent that it was an underlying condition, and they actually went back and looked at the last from my first pregnancy that I had miscarried, and I'd actually been hypothyroid at that point, too, and somehow it went overlooked. And at that point, I was just you know told to take levothyroxine, and I did so for the next almost, well, I guess just around five years or so until I went to a, a new doctor that I was running low of pills and asked if we could do the lab to get my prescription refilled. So when my lab came back, we started seeing all these little red flags. And then she looked at me and said, has anybody ever told you you have Hashimoto's disease? And I was like, what the heck is that? like, <laughs> no, I've never heard of that. And Hashimoto's disease is an autoimmune disease. So there's an attack on your thyroid, even though it's perfectly healthy, there's not a reason for it. And so from there, it's just been this journey of figuring out um, how I live with an autoimmune disease and still live my best life. I really have a more holistic approach to it. I do take levothyroxine and know that my body maybe needs a little bit more special attention. (laughs) I just feel like because I finally landed on the proper diagnosis, I now have the information I need to make the best choices About my health. So it's been a really empowering process. When you go to a doctor and you're explaining all these things, I think sometimes um, it can be hard for people to really understand the depth of the symptoms that you're experiencing and just how much they're affecting your life. My advice for anybody else dealing with something similar to what I have walked through is to be your own advocate, to educate yourself, and don't ever self-diagnose, and you don't want to go to Dr. Google. That's not super reliable, but find practitioners who are going to walk through things with you and to really help you land on an answer, because you can start to wonder if things are all in your head. Am I just crazy? Am I just super depressed, and that's why I'm experiencing all these other physical symptoms? And so it can make you feel very isolated and like there's something wrong with your psyche. And so I would just encourage people that you know your body better than anybody else does. You feel like something is wrong. Seek the attention or seek the help that you need. I run a YouTube channel called Live Well Just, where I share topics on health and wellness and lifestyle. And one of the things I share there is my experience with, living with hypothyroidism and being diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. And I just love connecting with people who have Hashimoto's as well or who have other autoimmune diseases. And so it's been this really awesome platform to be able to connect with other people on.
0: Thanks to Jessica and Dr. Christine Lee for sharing their stories with us. To hear more stories from the world of health and wellness and to get the latest episodes when they launch, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or TuneIn. This episode of Saatchi Wellcast was created with contributions from Jacob Strunk, John Devine, Emily Sheehan, Jennifer David, and me, Paul Monis. Saatchi Wellcast is a production of Saatchi and Saatchi Wellness and produced in New York City, New York. You can find us on Twitter at SSWellcast, and you can email us at at sswellcastsatsatchiwellness.com. Thank you for joining, and goodbye for now.